Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Donna Gift Show. I'm Donna Gift, a woman who's held many titles and has reinvented herself multiple times. And this version of me is a lifestyle entrepreneur and your host at the Donna Gift Show. And we are here to shed some light on a darkening world. Each week, we connect you with an inspiring person or message to help you love yourself enough to truly love others, bringing us back to human connection and raising the collective consciousness. My guests allow me to explore the depths of their mind and touching on topics that some might consider taboo. And we do get personal. It's your thoughts put into our words. And I really mean that. You could submit your questions and topics to www.donagift.com and you might just hear it on the next episode. We love hearing from you and we're grateful you're here. And without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Donna Gift. Today's episode is going to be about how quickly life can unravel before you and how you can gather that moment and use it as your strength rather than allow it to consume you. Basically, how to keep your cool when life is tossing shit at your face and you think it's shit, but it's actually really chocolate. But that's a really, it's all perspective. That's a really horrible analogy, but I'm just going to go ahead and roll with it. And I'm going to save myself by introducing you, my guest here, Joey Dentisi. Joey Dentisi is from New York, which I'm actually not surprised because you actually give off very New New York York vibes. vibes. Does everybody tell you that? Is that sometimes? Okay. It used to be a lot more prevalent. Okay. Yeah. Do you have an accent? I used to have a really deep one. Really? I can't hear it anymore. It's kind of gone now. When you go to New York, is that a thing? You can hear it a little bit. If I drink a little bit, (laughs) it starts coming out. Okay. He was a Long Island police officer, and while he was working as a police officer, he built a six-figure network marketing business that allowed him to leave his career as a police officer as the youngest to ever retire from Nassau County Police Department. And from what I hear, this is actually one of the best departments in the county. Country. In the country. Yeah. In the country. Holy yeah. shit, that's even better. They didn't even know how to handle your offboarding process. Yeah. Is that- I had no clue how to process any of the paperwork. So did nobody ever leave that count ca- that country the county? <laughs> no one ever left the country. No, um, no one. Yeah, no, not that young. Like it just never happened. And it's like a lottery ticket type of job. So, yeah. Damn. So how long do you think the lifetime is for those police officers that stay in? Thirty years. Thirty years. Oh shit. I mean, it's one of those police departments that you want to stay for thirty because it's such a sweet gig that you can do that. Like if you work in New York City, it's brutal. Yeah. So people are like, 20 years, I want to get out. This one, it's like, no, I have all this time off. Like, I'm getting paid really good. So people want to stay until as long as they possibly can, pretty much. Most people don't leave, but Joey found a way to. And after exploring different avenues in entrepreneurship, he landed on Enagic selling Kangen machines, which is a water purifying system and a very expensive one at that. Yeah. And then you started a team and went off to travel the world speaking on many different stages, which is, again, super cool. So eventually, him and his partner created Conversions, a coaching company where they helped over 150 people to see success in their high-ticket offers and services. And then that gradually developed into an even even higher-ticket consulting business that really, really scales them. So he's also partnered in I Believe in You, which is a tech and apparel startup. It's a bracelet with an NFC chip that can be scanned, and when it's exchanged, you can show the lineage of where it's traveled. It's given to friends, family, strangers in order to spread belief. The app is currently in development, and we're going to see that sometime February next year. Yeah, it'll be launched in February or March of next year. 
we're super, super excited for. I feel like we've been all kind of anticipating it here. <laughs> but it's cool because you get to basically see your kindness spread and it shows how much impact this one bracelet does. Um, and while all that is developing, he's still consulting in Digicast Marketing where he helps B2B to generate thousands of hyper-targeted leads and still consulting with the other companies and really, I don't even understand how you have time to breathe. You guys are crushing it. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. So not only that, Joey's also a good friend of mine. I swear, I just know the best men on the planet because I have nothing but highly spoken words to describe you. Um, he's the kind of guy that you can kind of chill on the balcony with, have some good, deep, insightful conversation with. Super cool, collected. If you guys are on the audio version, you can't see him, but for the people who are watching, you can totally tell. <laughs> you have like this cool, like, chill. mystery chill dude vibe going on. <laughs> I've got that before. It's funny. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's like a demeanor, but it's a cool thing. Yeah. People are like, I want to know this guy. And you guys are about to get to know him. So he's highly intelligent. His personal life is thriving as well. He's a soon-to-be first-time father with his lovely girlfriend, Brittany, who you will see in the high version, which yeah. don't judge. She's not smoking, guys. <laughs> she's just going to be here to hang out and watch us get high. And she's she's about to pop, what, in January? Yeah, uh, less than a month. Holy shit. Yeah. Are you scared? No. No? Not scared. Very okay. excited. There's some nerves. If you're but... feeling scared right now, let me know if you'd like <laughs> some advice. Holy shit, my computer is literally listening That's to me. Stop Siri, it. Siri, we're okay. <laughs> Some information. No, Siri, stop. Oh, wow. That's funny. Okay, that's creepy. My computer wanted to join in on the podcast. We're going to go ahead and dive in to the conversation. I'm super grateful for you being on this podcast, and we'll just go ahead and dive right in. Thanks for having me. First off, I want to know why you even got into policing. Yeah, it wasn't something that I was like always like, oh, I want to be a police officer. It wasn't one of those things. It was more so I was trying to figure out my way, and I, I was thinking about military, like, I want to go into the military potentially. It was kind of just like, I, I found that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my dad, you know, he was in law enforcement at the time and he always used to just tell me, you know, take these tests like to apply for the police department. And if you want to do it down the road, I was like 17. Cause if you want to do it down the road, you know, the worst thing that will happen is you have an opportunity that you can say no to. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I said, yeah, that's fair. So I took all the tests, NYPD, you know, all these different police departments. And pretty much when I was 20, I got contacted by the police department that I ended up working for. Oh, they contacted you. Yeah. I scored really high in the test and oh, wow. they were pretty much like, Hey, you're 20. I, you have to be 21 to do it, but there, I did all the screening and all that kind of stuff passed. And then once I got that letter from them of like, we want you to work for us. I pretty much just like turned the switch in my mind. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Always found it interesting. My dad, I, you know, he did that as well. So it was already in my head a little bit and yeah. And then I just said, you know what, I'm going to commit my, my life to this at that point. And I thought that's what I was going to do forever. What so, were you doing before it again? I uh, just ran, I was working for, I had a county job working for parks, um, just like random shit here and there. It was like right after college. Okay. And then I just decided, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I did love it. It was a lot of fun. So. Was the training really difficult? It was challenging. It wasn't anything crazy. I was, you know, I was young, I was in shape. You know, I thought it was fun. The, all the cool shit I'm learning, how to drive cars at high speed, you know, this training, that training. Um, it was challenging physically for sure. But uh, more than anything, I think it was just a really amazing experience. Okay. Seven months long. Okay, well, what made you develop a six-figure networking com- business while you were in the police department? Were you tired of it? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I think probably when I was around 18 years old, I started reading books like 
at the time it was like stocks and real estate. Dang, it took you a while to start reading books. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know, right? I'm slacking a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't crack up in my first book until <laughs> 21. So. Yeah, so I was just reading a bunch of books. Yeah, stocks, real estate, um, all these different types of books. And it always fascinated me, um, but I never really did anything. I mean, I set myself up in a, a Roth IRA when I was like 19. And I was like, mm. I was dabbling. And then when I got in the police force, I had a little bit more money. And I just had that itch of like, I need to start a business. So I tried some things here and there, but ultimately I came across an advertisement one day online, some guys, you know, with a marketing opportunity. And I went down the funnel, the rabbit hole, and I ended up doing it. And that was the network marketing company, um, Anagic, that I ended up joining. And that's kind of how it started. And that was my first taste of real, somewhat, you know, decent success at the time, making six figures of like, that was like a huge feat for me. But yeah, that's kind of how it started. But I want to get more into the relational stuff. Obviously, what you've done is great. But I want to hear more about this stuff and the work that you've done internally because I feel like that is really important for the listeners to hear. Yeah. So let's talk about your last relationship. So you've been single for six years before prior, your prior current this, relationship. Yeah. Explain your last relationship, how that ended. Yeah, so well, there was like two. There was like the, my first literally my first girlfriend ever was I ended up dating for four years. Um, and then after that I had another like three year stint on and off, not like official, like it's my girlfriend, but we were had a very good connection. But the first one that was like high school, you know, I was like a young, um, my first probably love. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was, it was, it was really good. It was very messy. Just like the high school drama. Like <laughs> it was just like, you know, it was one of those things, but it ended up just, it just wasn't a good fit, you know, it just ended up becoming toxic. Do you think you just outgrew each other or was it like you guys were arguing all the time? In the beginning, the, the first like two years were, were really good. And then it was just, yeah, it just wasn't a, the best way I could describe it is it wasn't a good fit and our personalities were kind of clashing and I had nothing bad to say. It was, it was a, my first experience. It, it showed me a lot of things about myself mm-hmm. um, that I didn't even know, you know, in terms of my emotions and handling them and what healthy looks like, you know, all those things I learned. Um, but it was pretty, pretty brutal at the end, I guess. You know, I mean, to my standard now, and at the time it didn't seem like it was that crazy, but yeah. like now looking back, knowing what health, what healthy is, um, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> Did it, was it like a amicable, amicable breakup or was it, did something bad happen that ended it? Um, we went, we got to a point where we broke up the first time. And once that happened, like just lines were crossed in terms of like shit we were saying to each other. Um, if I could break it was so long ago, um, you know, so we broke just kind of like those initial lines and then we broke up once and then there were just things that happened. Like, I don't even know if I, that would probably be a whole podcast, <laughs> like the high school drama that went on you but about high school back and forth of breaking up and being together and trying to make it work. And, we're going to change, I'm going to, you know, all that typical yeah. stuff, but it never did. And then one of the, one, one day happened and I don't, I don't even recall if it was her that was like the last one, the last breakup out of the, the five try. Um, <laughs> that one that wanted to end it. It might've been her. And I was like, yeah, I completely agree. Like, what are we even doing here? Yeah. And, awesome. and that was the last time we pretty much ever like talked. Wow. Like we, it was so a month was later. She else. contacted me, I think. And at that point I had, uh, I was already like, I'm out. Like there's no, I'm done. So I was turned off, like, moving forward. Well, do you feel like that because of the back and forth of that relationship, do you feel like that is any kind of reasoning of why you were single for so long? Um, <clears throat> no, not really. Um, at that point, I had been with her for years, three, four years or so. Um, 
learned a lot about myself. And then I was in like a, I had met somebody after that um, okay. that I had a really good connection with. And that was the one that went, you know, on and off three years. Um, really only, only good things to say about that. Taught me a lot about myself. Um, a little, she was a little bit older. So she taught me a lot about just myself and like the world and like traveling. And she, she got me into traveling and all this kind of stuff. Was she in a magic? No, no, it was oh, completely okay. separate. Okay. And then I ended up ending that, not for any bad reasons, but I just realized I was not ready for a relationship at that point where I didn't want that one in that way necessarily. There was no hard feelings or anything like that. Um, so that kind of just cordially ended and faded. And then I, I guess after that, I just had a different set of standards yeah. for relationships and for how I conduct myself for me and my partner, how we, you know, we work together and I just never found a person. And I never settled. That was a big thing is I had many connections along the way that had potential to be a girlfriend mm. um, or a partner, but it just wasn't the one, you know, and, and the, one, right. the one, I don't think there's the one, but like, it just didn't, it wasn't the right fit that I was looking for. And so I never settled. And that's why I ended up staying single. You know, I, I would have, I would talk to somebody for two, three months. It was going really well. And then, it ended. and then, you know, that happened again and again and again and again. But I, I never saw it as like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? It was like, oh, it's just, just like not the right person. Cool. Like that's one like step closer to the next person. I was, I was purpose driven. So I was always working towards something. So I was never like unhappy alone or like I need to find somebody. Mm. Uh, I kind of just let life play out and got myself um, into a better position with business and my mindset, my personal development, um, and just build, built myself, my character as a man, um, over the years. And that kind of landed me here. Yeah. Okay. So a relationship was never really like your top priority. You really just focused on yourself and then you trusted your gut when, when those things didn't work out, when those relationships pretty, didn't work out. Pretty much after that first relationship and, and really the second one, um, I was so focused on myself. If it came up and it was awesome, beautiful. If not, I don't really care. I'm, I'm going in this direction. And then mm. towards the end of that, like, you know, before I met Brittany, that was when I started being, okay, you know, I've done a lot of work. I think I'm, I want to put some focus on this. So I started journaling about it, that the woman I want. And I felt like I was in a place where I could really focus on that and it was mm -hmm. craving it. Um, I was like, I want to share life with somebody, you know? So I started putting more intention into it. It's actually a crazy story about that. But um, then I ended up meeting her, you know, months later. Okay. So you did a lot of work in between that time, but it wasn't until you actually made that decision and started really putting heavy intention into the woman you wanted that you actually found ready around yeah. the time, like while you're doing that manifesting, basically, how long do you think it took from when you started putting the intention toward it till you found ready? Was it like a long time? Yeah. So it was on the back end of, I had connected with somebody else and it was, it was really good. And it was like, kind of, I was like, that's kind of potential. Um, and then it, it faded and it went away. And that, that's when I was like, I sat in that for a little bit. And like two days later, I was like, I completely trust the universe. Like it's just a stepping mm -hmm. stone. I'd say probably like a week or two after that is when I really started journaling. I think it was the beginning of 2021. Okay. Um, and I journaled about it probably, it wasn't every day, but I did it with like a lot of detail, maybe like three, four five times in the beginning half of the year. And then I met her in September. So probably like six months or so after. Oh, wow. And it was funny because after I wrote all that stuff out, like the last time I wrote something about it, after I did that, I just remember I completely let go. Like I wasn't think I wasn't like trying for it. Like I pretty much forgot about it, you know? And then it happened like a few months later. 
So you like journaled it and then put it away and then just gave it to the universe. Yeah. And I mean, it was to the, like, the, if you look back at my journal entries, it describes her. Wow. Like I shared it with her and I was like, holy shit, this is scary. Yeah. She had some journal entries too that described a man and it was me. Yeah. Which was crazy. That's we, cool. We I feel like Dylan and, and I are the same. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't even know each other. So it was crazy. Yeah. We, we met through a weird, yeah. Yeah, actually, tell us about that story. So I wanted to ask, as far as yours and Brittany's story, like, how did that develop? Because I know you guys met a long time ago, and you, like, did life without each other, and then you found each other again. So explain how that all happened. Yeah, so I actually never met Brittany before. I knew of her because she was in the network marketing business as well. Oh, um, So okay. she knew of me because I was, like, a, a trained the community. So she saw me in videos and stuff like that, but I never met her. She was in a relationship for a while. You were, like, an magic guru. <laughs> yeah, little mini celebrity. Um, goodness, back there, yeah. Um, but yes, I knew Rebecca, um, oh. and I, I hung out with Rebecca, a few, Rebecca a few times as friends. Um, and Rebecca is Brittany's best friend. Yeah, and then um, long story short, I saw on Instagram that Rebecca was coming to Arizona with like a few of her friends. Brittany was one of them, and I saw they were staying in Arizona, and I lived in Arizona at that time. And I was like, oh hey, what's up? You're in town? Like I'm here. Um, if you guys need any place to go, like, let me know, blah, 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 maybe we'll hang out, all of us. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up inviting her to, um, I think it was Braxton's birthday party. Um, one of our, one oh of our good friends birthday party. Yeah. And that's where I had met Brittany for the first time. Wait, In hold person. on. You met, so Braxton had a, wait, not the freaking music video that he had, right? No, in the Carter pool. Okay. One of Braxton is one of our good friends and you'll see him on another podcast of mine that he he had some like music video or something and that's why I met Dylan. Oh, I and so I was I was about I was there, to say, yeah. yeah, you were there too. Yeah. I, I did not know that. That's how trashed I was. <laughs> Anyways, that was a very interesting time of my life, but it's not about me right now. <laughs> I was about to say I thought you met her that same day. I'm like, oh, how no, did no. that happen? Okay, so Let's go back to some of your time and your singleness, because I think this is where I really want to dive into your mindset and the, the development that you did outside of the relationship. When you were doing that, were you dating at all during, like, aside from those little stints, were you, like, consistently dating, or were you more so if it kind of presented itself, maybe? Yeah, um, I would have, like, I feel like I would have seasons Okay. Like there would be times where I was so focused on, on business and, and just personal development and reading and the habits and all those things that I would I wouldn't even care about women or finding women or anything like that. And you know, mm -hmm. some would come in here and there, whatever that I was never looking for. And then there were seasons where I was maybe more active in it, uh, where I was going on dates, you know, meeting people, stuff like that. Uh, but it, it kind of fluctuated like with where I was at, I guess, internally and with business. Mm -hmm. um, but it was never like this is what I did the whole time. Sometimes I was active. Sometimes I was in the dungeon working on myself, on my business. Um, and that just kind of came in waves, I feel like. During your single times, do you, would you say you got lonely at all? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, there were times where I desired a relationship where it would, okay. like, it would flare up and I'd be like, you know, it'd be nice to have a partner. Mm -hmm. There were even times where I'm like, am I going to meet the person? Did because, you, like, you didn't... You, Barely questioned it, or was it like something that that was that a question? Once in a while, it would come up because after you know having these different connections and then it not panning out, I'm like, is that person out there? But then, <laughs> I, like very quickly after, I'm like, no, dude, you trust the universe, like you got this. Um, that was very fleeting thoughts, but for the most part, I had community. Yeah, you know, I had people mm -hmm. around me that I it, I was I was always 
or in rooms that excited me in general. And I was always meeting new people, getting involved in new friend groups, um, you know, that are at the next level. So I had community around me a lot. So I, I wasn't lonely. Like I wasn't isolated. Got it. Um, so that, I didn't struggle with that really too much. Okay. Well, when you were dating, would you consider yourself a player during that time? Um, not really. I guess really. it would be important to define what, what do you see as a player. I, I mean, when I was a little <laughs> bit younger, like, I definitely had a little bit of a tendency to, like, I just had that little, like, edge, you know what I mean? That yeah. I, in my head, at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> the but bad boy edge. I always, um, you know, I have that, like, like you said, that mysterious. Like, that was kind of my player kind of stuff where I was a little <laughs> bit more reserved and, like, I wouldn't Oh, give, so that was part of the game. It was almost like not intentional. Like it just oh, like was kind of how I operated. So like I wouldn't give people too much in the beginning. But at the end of the day, like I always treated women well. You know what I mean? I respected women. I was nothing but kind to to everybody that I've encountered. Any relationship I've ever been in or any connection I've had, like I, it was all never bad blood because I I tried to stay you know with an integrity and just just being a good man. Um, but yeah, there were times where I had a little little. Uh, Little twang, you know. <laughs> but so when you stopped dating these girls and like stopped going on a date, were you did you lay them down gently? So you said you treated them kindly. Did you actually like communicate with them why you didn't want to continue seeing them, or was it more of like a let's just let this fade into the darkness kind of thing? Um, it it was both. Some of them mm-hmm. were more um, revolved around like a communication of like. Yeah, I don't think this is going to work out for these reasons and, and proper communication. Others, they just mutually faded out. So, like, I didn't need to say anything. The other person didn't need to say anything. It just we both kind of knew it wasn't the the right fit. So it was both. You know, some of them, it required some communication and upfront you know, talking about it. Others, it just kind of fizzled out. You said you did a lot of work before meeting Brittany. What did that work look like for you? What Like, how did you prepare to be ready to be in a relationship, I guess. Yeah, it's looking back in hindsight, I don't know if I had the intention of like, I'm gonna become the right man so I can have this amazing relationship. It was mm-hmm. more so I was just focused on growth, like as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, not like to result in anything necessarily, just because I am like insatiable for growth. Like I, especially then I was like beginning of my career, like I'm fucking amped up, meeting new people. So it was just a lot of a lot of reading, a lot of podcasts, a lot of just just fucking replacing all the shit in my brain with new thoughts, new ideas, new beliefs. Um, and I mean, I was like a very meticulous like learner. I mm-hmm. still am. Yeah. Where I would listen to the same audio seven times and take mm. then and take notes and then go back and read the notes and highlight the notes. And so like a lot of the stuff that I think now like was I burned into my brain because I wanted to think that way. So a lot of that, um, a lot of events that I, you know, investing in mentors and, and doing these things. And I would consider the the connections and the people that I met along with like the women I met along the way as growth as well, because mm. you can only grow so much as an individual. You're put to the test when you're in a relationship or you're, you're communicating with another woman, because now all of the triggers and the things that you don't experience when you're not with a woman are coming up. And now you have to face them and see if all that personal development stuff worked. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, so that also, I think, was a part of my growth is, you know, seeing what I like, what I don't like, what what qualities in a woman do I like, what don't I like, um, what will I settle for, what will I not settle for, what's you know a 
you know, all of those things help me build my preferences towards women. Mm. Um, and then along the whole way, I'm, you know, just, just growing as a human being, um, elevating my mind, getting my business right. Um, and all of those things, I think cumulatively were all factors. Okay. Well, since you've been with Brittany, what do you feel are the habits or the things that you learned were not true? So what are the things that you thought were going to be applicable to the relationship that you had to actually readjust? Good question. Um, I hope that's not a confusing question. <laughs> I, 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 before I met her, I was so ready without even like, like I just internally had this like posture of like, I know I'm ready like mm-hmm. to be in this, um, in a relationship with, share my life with another human being, you know, mm-hmm. effectively. Um, so I had that internal confidence about it because of all the work I did. But I think the biggest, I guess, belief around relationships that I had to break and it didn't necessarily happen with her. I mean, it, it did, but like it wasn't, that wasn't the epiphany moment, I guess, or maybe it was, I don't remember. But is I used to think that for it to be a, a, a viable relationship, like this person is the one I'm going to spend my life with or anything like that, that it had to be fireworks from the start. So that was my experience. The first, you know, few deeper connections that I had. And so if I didn't feel that, I thought it was, it was no, it never could work that way. If I don't feel Mm. insanely attracted to you instantly, then it can't work. Um, and so that would lead me to not giving things chances as much as I normally would. Um, but as I developed more, I learned that it was more so coming from it. it that, that doesn't equal um, a healthy partnership necessarily. It could, but it doesn't have to. Yeah. So I had to change that outlook because anybody who I wasn't instantly like gravitated towards like, <laughs> and super attracted to, yeah. you know, within a day or two, like it was like a write off for me. So I changed that before her, but I had to kind of rewire that where I was like, ah, maybe I'm not thinking about this correctly. Like, I mean, I definitely relate to that because I I feel like I was kind of the same way and it led me into some not so great dating worlds and scenes and people and yada yada. But do you think that that's because, did you watch a lot of rom-coms or anything or was it like a... I'm sure it was influenced by media and stuff to some degree. And and just my experience, you know, my first relationship was very... um, very emotional and intense mm. same the second one was even more so so i was comparing it to that and i'm like if it's not like that then it can't work yeah yeah so that's kind of I think where it came from you can get addicted to the intensity of a relationship it's an actual addiction 100 which is very sad <laughs> but i can easily see how you can get trapped into that addiction. yeah because it's it's like you're emotionally like this makes this feels really good so like yeah like it's hard not to follow it necessarily but a lot of times not in all cases because i don't obviously know but it could, be, it could be very toxic because yeah. with, with the high highs come the low lows. Yeah. Did you ever hear about the, um, people say that the emotion or the chemical release of anger is similar to that of love. They're actually like on the same level. Do you believe that? Um, I haven't really thought about it. Um, I think they do very different things to our body. Yeah. And they create very different outcomes. Yeah. But I think <laughs> yeah, the intensity sure. is probably somewhat similar do you think that that's why people enjoy makeup sex because it's like a combination yeah i mean it brings you closer you know it's we me and Brittany have talked about this yeah because we've never the path we're taking i'm going off a little off your question here but (laughs) we've had conversations about this because where our connection was not fireworks it was Mm. slow and gradual 
Oh, it, yeah. o- it was always felt amazing and it always felt right, but it was not like, oh my God, she's the one. I was a little bit more apprehensive because I've already been through a lot of stuff. So I was just a little bit more like taking my time and it wasn't fireworks. It was very stable, mm. um, which can be weird if you're used to it being crazy in the beginning. Right. You know, and that's what I had experienced my whole, my whole dating career, so to speak. <laughs> <Dating> um, career. <laughs> but we've talked about that because when you argue and fight, emotions come out, right? Yeah. And then that person is seeing you in that emotion, which brings you closer. Because if, if you see that person in, a, in real anger and real frustration and all these, these negative emotions, mm-hmm. right? That's again, you know, if it's, um, you have the high highs, you have the low lows. So if you see somebody in that vulnerable state, it brings you closer. You're like, okay, they saw me angry. They saw me, you know, frustrated and not my best self and they still mm-hmm. love me. And that's why it's like, it's a, a magnet. I feel like yeah. sometimes, it's like but for us, we, we've never really had anything like that. We've never experienced a legitimate, like never yelled at each other. None of that stuff. You guys have never, damn it. That was one of my questions. You guys have never yelled at each other. No. Have you seen the hole downstairs with Dylan <laughs> punching it? I've had plenty in my past, <laughs> but Dylan's a little hot cake. He's yeah. a little <laughs> <laughs> no, we all are. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's, it's different to navigate because we don't want to go there with each other. That's the big thing because mm. we know where it leads to. And it might be to get to deeper, deeper, deeper love and deeper vulnerability. It might be a little bit longer mm-hmm. because we're not exposing ourselves to these extreme emotions Got it. because we're not, we, we really are not willing to go there with each other. It's like, I have seen what that does, does in the past when, when I, you know, cross lines, it's hard to retract those things, mm-hmm. you know? So we're very delicate around that. So we understand that, you know, we're taking the slow, steady route instead of like the fucking highs and then the lows. And then, you know, you're good for a bit. Like we want to avoid that. And it works good for us. So do you feel like there could be more passion at all? I mean, I think with, with extreme emotions for sure, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think we're getting there more and more every day. Um, and it's, it's continuously progressing and getting deeper and more vulnerable, but effectively and without toxicity. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Gosh, I don't even know. That's like, I feel like Dylan and I, we, we have good conversation after some of the blowouts, but some of the blowouts are like, they're fucking intense. Yeah. Have you, have you questioned if you wanted to continue the relationship with Brittany at all? No. Really? Mm-mm. Can't say the same. <laughs> no. I'm but obviously really talking, really. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not, it's just, it's very different from anything I've experienced. And it had to do with where we were both at when we met you know, all these different factors. And, you know, I had secure, I had years of personal development. She had years of personal development. She's, you know, been doing all this stuff for years. She was just in a poor environment. And then when she got out of that environment, all of those amazing things that she had done the work for, mm-hmm. now she's in an environment where she can thrive with me because it's not toxic. Mm, it's like growing in the right soil. Now. For sure. Okay. Brittany was in a, like, fiance, right? She was about to get married. Yeah. Um, how long was that prior to you? I don't know exactly. I think like they had been together like officially, like maybe like a year or so before. Okay. They might've been on and off a little bit after that, but uh, I think it was about a year. I'm not positive though. Is there any part of you that was like that question, her getting into a relationship quickly after you, after being married? Um, It crossed my mind um, for sure. But I would say, yeah, I mean, the only reason it came up for me 
was just because I've been involved in stuff where the other person had a past that was still lingering, lingering a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it didn't turn out well for me. So I had a little bit of like internal anxiety that, you know, I expressed to her like very cordially, but other than that, you know, I've been, I've been fine with it after I really communicated about it thoroughly. Okay. It's nice. Um, so you, it seems like you guys have a pretty good, even keel, like good paced relationship, yeah. which is not what a lot of people can say. Obviously, like my relationship is completely different. But do you think that that would can result in a better, like healthier relationship overall? Do you feel like overall, if people could take the slower approach, that it would be more beneficial for them? It's hard to say. You know, I. I, that works really well for us and I've experienced both. I like mm-hmm. this way better, but I don't think it's to say like that doesn't work, you know, if it's more emotional and, and it's not as slow and steady. Um, I think, it, you know, there's, I'm sure there's cases out there where people thrive in that environment. Um, so it's hard to say. I personally like the slow, steady approach better. Okay. okay. Just cause it's like, I don't think that love is everything. In a relationship, mm-hmm. like in a partnership, I don't think love is like I, me and her both don't even see that as a number one thing. Like we see respect as a number one thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like love is cool. And like the high, high emotions and the low, low, you know, all that stuff is powerful for passion and all those amazing things. But that's like one part of it, the way that we view it. Um, like we see respect as first. So like love without respect, it's not going to work. It's a horrible partnership. Um, so we try to our our big goal is we try to maintain respect for each other. Mm, um, and if we can um, maintain respect for each other, if you think of anybody in the world that you really respect, mm-hmm. how do you treat them? Yeah. You know, if I look at any, any of my best friends, if I look at anybody that I truly respect, there's, there's no, I don't fight with them. Like we don't get hostile. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know? Um, and so we, we really harp on respect in a relationship and we try to maintain that. And that comes that I think that's re- that's really helpful. That's yeah. cool. And you mentioned earlier you don't believe in the one. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, yeah, I don't think – I've just always kind of had that idea of, like, I don't think, like, I'm res- like there's one person out there. There's only one person in the world that I can meet that's going to be a perfect match. Mm-hmm. I don't think that. Um, I think that, you know, there's plenty of people. Yeah. Um, and it just depends on, you know, who you are and what, you know, frequency you're vibrating, who you are as a person – based on what you're going to attract. So I don't think, and I think that a lot of people, um, and ultimately I, I don't know, right. Other people, <laughs> yeah. who the fuck, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> the universe, about these um, things, yeah. but I just believe that. And I think that's a, a big reason why I was able to move through all those connections I had so swiftly mm-hmm. is because I didn't have a scarcity around love. I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't scared to let go of somebody because they're the only person for me. I was able to move on because I know that somebody out there will, will, be the perfect fit for mm-hmm. me at this moment. And that'll be a lifelong partnership or not. And then I can find another person. So I think that's a lot of a big reason why a lot of people struggle to leave things that are mm-hmm. toxic is because there's a scarcity around love or finding that person. Cause they think only mm-hmm. one of them is out there or it's this really limited supply. It's fucking 8 billion people on the planet. Well, I guess I wanted to dive more into how quickly your guys's relationship developed. Yeah. So you literally went, how long did you guys date before Brittany got pregnant? Um, how long was it? Maybe seven months, six months, seven months. And you guys were not, well, okay. Explain the, I guess the 
livelihood of your relationship because you didn't actually, you weren't actually together physically for like the first three months. Yeah. Yeah. So started off, we met, um, first time we met, like I obviously thought she was attractive, but it didn't, nothing really happened until for some reason, two weeks later I had my birthday and I just invited her out. Like normally I would have just texted her friend cause I knew her and really know her, but I was like intuitively just like, that's pretty good. So I invited her to my birthday we hit it off there, and I was a little drunk. Um, <laughs> and then the next day, I invited her to spend my actual birthday with me, and it was mm. me and her. Um, wow! So your first date was like your birthday. My fir- our first like actual date, where like we were like both sober and like you know it was fun. Um, was yeah, it was that day, um, and I think that just spoke volumes about the interest I had. I, was, I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I'm like I'm really interested in her, and mm. I want to spend my birthday with her. So I did. And then I think we hung out another time or two. And then she went to Africa for three months. Right, okay. So the first three months, we weren't even, you know, technically dating at that point. We were still getting to know each other. But I think that was an amazing experience for our relationship because we had to learn high-level communication. Like, we could not continue to keep the interest building and the, you know, um, all of it going if we weren't great communicators. So mm-hmm. we, we were forced to tr- really fucking communicate, you know, typing long messages and explaining all these things virtually and through FaceTime. Um, and then by the end of it, we were like just insanely excited to like reconnect again. Yeah. Um, and then that happened. She came home. She flew to me, spent a week with me in Arizona, went back for Christmas and then came back and never left. Um, and then I think maybe five, four months after that is when Jackson, Jackson yeah, was, was it conceived? <laughs> Conceived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even when she came back from Africa, you guys basically lived together almost immediately after. So story behind this, a little bit of context, you guys, Dylan, my boyfriend, and Joey lived together. And during that time, Brittany came back and then Dylan basically moved in with me. And then Brittany somehow took over the lease basically <laughs> with Dylan. And it was like, you guys moved quick. Yeah. Well, I guess technically we did too, in hindsight. But... Obviously, you guys are pregnant. We're not. Yeah. Do you think that the reason this was all fast-tracked was because you guys were ready for the baby? Like, there was the development that happened prior to? Yeah. I mean, I think we stepped into the relationship, like, very mature. Um, Mm -hmm. We both have strong boundaries, strong values, and those values aligned. Our worldviews aligned. um, And all the writing on the wall said this is a great life partner for both of us. So we were definitely ready. And I think that's why it just progressed so fast. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like the whole like living together too soon or like this too soon. It's all societal bullshit beliefs. Right. It's like what matters is how, what is the health of the relationship look like? Mm-hmm. If we're living together and it's amazing, who gives a shit if we moved in within the first month or in the first year? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So everything was going really well, um, like surprisingly well. We're like almost like waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, You're like, what the fuck? It's like, <laughs> like, where, like where is this? Is it supposed to be this good? Yeah. Um, and so just, it progressed and obviously with the pregnancy that, you know, wasn't necessarily planned, but it happened and we embraced it. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like you embraced the pregnancy fairly well. Had I been in your shoes, I would freak the fuck out. I don't obviously, what was Brittany's response when she found out she was pregnant? All the things shocked. Um, just, did she cry? Did you guys cry? Did any of you cry? 
she might have a little bit just out of like shock. Um, I think ultimately what grounded us the most was that we knew we were the right people for each other and that it was going amazingly well. And there's no reason to believe it, it wouldn't go that way mm. based on how developed we are as humans, um, always looking to consistently grow. Um, and just, we just aligned in so many areas. Like, um, so that was like a grounding that grounded us of like, this could be way where like we were with the wrong person and that happens it could be fucking devastating yeah but we were we both believe we're with the right people here i'm with her she's with me and so that was like very comforting okay and that's what allowed us to embrace it like well i think fairly easy did you have any i don't know like second guesses or anything when you had a moment to yourself um i experienced all the emotions um i experienced every emotion you could think of probably um, from excitement to nervousness to holy shit to um, grieving my past, mm. right? Knowing it's not going to be the same. Yeah. And so did she. Um, and they're all completely normal. Um, you know, I, I've read plenty of books on fatherhood and parent and all that kind of stuff. I'm not in full. I've browsed through them. I'm not <laughs> yeah, I've read 30 books. But I've done a bit of research and I understood that all these things are normal and they're okay. Yeah. You're not, it doesn't, you don't have to be so fired up from day one. Like it does, it's going to look different for every man, from every woman, depending on who you are, of how you're going to handle that. Mm -hmm. But typically as you progress through the pregnancy, you start finding your way of like, mm. really now you're just excited. Um, for the most part, obviously there's some nerves and stuff, but it's probably what you're going to have to do once Jackson's actually born and stuff. It's not yeah. like you can, you can read all the books in the world, but you're probably not going to fully understand it until you're in it. Yeah. For me, it was like shocking at first. More so is my brain went to every, like, it just like played in front of my, my eyes where I'm like, <laughs> just nothing will be the same. You know, um, it's going to be just a completely different life. And I'm, I'm you know, I grieve my past where it's like, it's not going to be in this way ever mm -hmm. again. And I came to terms with that. Um, and it was just, it was just a, a fun journey, um, of uncovering how I feel about it, moving through it, getting out to the next, you know, phase of emotions. Before we dive any more deeper, let's explain how Brittany got pregnant because it was it was a very interesting way. So it was almost a it was a decision from you two, but I'll let you tell the story. In terms of what specifically? Like how did Jackson get conceived? Because um, it's, it's like yeah, well, <laughs> you put the baby in the vagina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but uh, it was it wasn't it was like you it was discussed that you were going to. Commoner, ejaculate, I guess. But what was the story? So you obviously know that that's what happened. Like you get a baby, yeah, and you yeah. get ejaculated. Yeah. But the whole thought process, what happened? Yeah. So um, we weren't really planning on it. Um, so we, yeah, that happened. Um, I ejaculated in her, and um, we ended up taking Plan B. Well, I didn't take anything, um, but she did. So that you knew, or the decision was, I'm gonna. <laughs> sounds so weird. Yeah. Ejaculate, come, whatever you want to say. Um, you both decided that and that the decision was to take plan B and just did something. Did it happen? Did that decision happen during sex or was it like prior yeah. to you're like, today I'm going to come inside you, girl? I think we were very just like <laughs> in the wrapped up in the moment, weren't like completely thinking clearly. And I think a yeah. part of us was like, I don't really care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like we knew like we really loved each other and it was it was it was so good. So like part of us was, like pushing the waters almost like mm, unconsciously. Yeah. Um, and so that happened, and then um, yeah, she took Plan B and um, it didn't work. Um, and he's a little miracle baby. 
And so why didn't it work though? So you guys did the research after. Yeah. Um, why didn't it work? So apparently, um, if you take plan B when you're ovulating, it doesn't work. So I feel like I had no idea. Some variation of that. I don't, I'm not, I don't know exactly, but it was something like if, if you're at this point and it happens, it, it's like, you can't do anything. God, so you really have to understand your body as a female. Yeah. Like, don't just go out there and let men do all that inside of you if you're not wanting to get pregnant. So. It's crazy though, because now, <laughs> now it's like, just the whole sentiment, the mindset has changed so much from like when we found out till now. Mm-hmm. Like, now I couldn't even imagine any other way. Yeah. Like, we were even talking about it. I was like, God forbid something happened where like, like a miscarriage or something. It's like, we would try again. Oh gosh, yeah. We don't want to I hate to even that. say that, but yeah. it's like, we, we were in the mindset of like, now it's so normal and part of our life that it's like, we would try again. Yeah. You know, whereas before we didn't even consider we were ready necessarily. Mm. It just, it happened and we, we got ready <laughs> instantly. <essentially. laughs> yeah. You got, I feel like both of you embraced it really well. Diving more into that about the thought process. And this might be, and I didn't even ask you if this was going to make you uncomfortable. You said everything was on the table. So, um, you are essentially a very healthy man, a viable gentleman, right? Um, and a distinguished gentleman you are. (laughs) And you're heading places the with the launch of IBIY, everything happening, and just your character in general. You know that you're going to be huge, millionaire, yeah. multimillionaire. We don't know, but because of that and how quickly it all transpired in the pregnancy, did, was there ever a point where you felt like maybe I don't I don't really know any other word to say this, but do you feel like maybe she trapped you because like the whole plan B thing and like not actually knowing and stuff like that. Um, no, no. Okay. Not at all. It was very joint co-creation. Um, yeah, that never really crossed my mind. Cool. Okay. I feel like there's some people who can see from the outside perspective and see how fast tracked it is and then just be like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, not even a little bit. Um, it was just super authentic and real from the start and, it, it just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was so no. Jackson's <laughs> your act of love. Yes, he is. We can't wait to see till he's actually, when he's actually here on this earth. It's going to be really cool to enter him. When is the exact date of when Jackson's supposed to be here? Uh, January 6th, 2023. January 6th. Do you think he's going to come sooner? I feel like just because your guys' life has just been like fast, like fast track, you think he's going to come yeah. sooner? I don't know why we both kind of feel that. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be er- like a few days earlier or even like very, very end of this month. Yeah. So we'll see. Oh, this is another question. Sorry, I'm backtracking yeah. now. Did you guys have signs of like possibly baby, like that she was going to get pregnant before that whole incident, before he was conceived? Did you, did you get signs or symbols or did you have some weird feeling? Because I feel like we do in very subconscious ways create our reality whether we're aware of it or not so yeah. did you see any signs or i i think there might have been some weird things that were happening mm-hmm. and it was interesting we went to oregon to visit her family i met them okay. and we were in her bedroom and we were actually for some reason we were picking out names for kids <laughs> with no plans really to like, we're gonna have kids like we, we came up with jackson yeah and if it was a girl it'd be brielle 
Um, Todd's a pretty nice but dude. But what, what if I remember my timeline correctly, she was actually pregnant during that time for like a week or two. And we just so, we had no oh, idea. Wait, what? Explain. <laughs> so it had happened, like she could, we conceived. And then like we went to Oregon after that. Oh, and, but we, but already... we, didn't, we didn't know. This is like a week later. So we like had no idea. Good. Wow. And we went and we picked out names. And like, I don't know if that was like us unconsciously like knowing or feeling that. I have no idea. But that happened. And all these different weird things happened where like uh, her brother had a kid and her family visited us here in Arizona. And they were at the store one day and getting some gifts for, for him um, for the new the newborn coming. And mm-hmm. she, something happened where the dad, her dad put her arm around her and he was like, yeah, we're just waiting for this one now. <laughs> but she was actually pregnant at that time and we didn't know. Wow. So just like these weird things happened after she was technically pregnant, but we had no idea that she was pregnant. We found wow. out a couple weeks later. Yeah. Goodness. That's so crazy. Yeah. I feel like the world or the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, the energy out there really feeds us. It's magical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in what ways, so going back to what I was talking about originally, since you didn't feel like there was no trapping, there was no ulterior motive, there was nothing like that, in what ways were you very sure that Brittany was a fuck yes? I mean, every way, I, I suppose. You know, it just everything from our, our communication to one another, um, our respect for one another, um, the feelings we had towards one another um, as this was evolving. Um, our worldviews and our values were very, very, like, it's the same. Mm-hmm. So the way we see the world, the things that we value are the same, um, which are, it, it's so important in a relationship. If you're not aligned with your values and your worldviews, it's going to be very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, like, every factor was like, yep, 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 yep. And we just kept learning these things over, you know, talking to each other and, and dating of just, like, one thing after the next. Like, yep, we align there, yep, we align there. And, you know, at the end of it, it's like, we line pretty much all the areas. Um, They're very crucial areas. I'm sorry, sure areas. there's things that are that you don't agree on. What are those? <laughs> there's really not many, I'll tell you. And that comes back down to the way we see the world is so similar. So we don't have too many things that we're not on the same page with. Um, I mean, we're very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her and me are very different. But it works in harmony. Um, mm. so there's not too many things that like, like big topics that were like, no, I see it this way. I see it this way. Very, I can't even remember any, like if, if any, um, like can you bigger, remember the last argument you guys had? I can't on the top of my head. We, we don't like, we don't even like to call it arguments. We call it discussions. Um, mm. but I mean, we get frustrated at each other here and there, uh, but nothing ever really lasts more than 30 minutes and an hour. Um, so more like just trivial things, like small things. Yeah, just house, small things. Maybe, or I can't even think about it. I mean, with her in pregnancy too, there's a lot. You know, she's experiencing a lot. Her hormones are going crazy. I'm, you know, adjusting to all the things going on with with my life and and her being pregnant and baby coming. So sometimes we just get frustrated with each other, and and usually it's a it's a lack of us communicating effectively that mm. leads to us getting frustrated, and then. We get frustrated for a little bit and then we actually just communicate properly and then it resolves all. Um, but even and going back to what I was saying before is even in our arguments, so to speak, there's, there's a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. Like there is like, I've never raised my voice at her and she's never raised her voice at me. Um, I've never called her any names. She's never called me any names, never cursed at her. I've never, like she's never cursed at me. 
So even within the frustration, we both are like, this is, it's just like you have a choice in every moment to like, just dig the hole a little deeper or like cross a line or not. And we just try to never do it. Um, well, how, okay. So how do you yourself prevent, cause there's obviously gotta be some heat whenever those discussions, yeah. arguments, whatever you want to call them come up. How do you keep yourself grounded and centered? So, I mean, we've also shared a lot about each other, like with each other about, um, things that like, I, I try to help her understand more about me and she tries to help, um, me understand more about her so that mm-hmm. I can understand where she's coming from. She can understand where I'm coming from, things that bothered me, things that bother her. And we try to just avoid them because we're genuinely on the same team here. Mm-hmm. So we kind of talk about that a good amount of like just getting to know each other better and like what makes us tick, what doesn't. So, um, with that said, I think the biggest thing I would say, I mean, it comes down to the individual, of course, you know, um, it's pretty much for me. It's like, my biggest thing is like, I can feel whatever I want to feel, mm-hmm. but I don't want to communicate from this place. So I can mm-hmm. feel frustration or anger, but I'm not going to communicate through that emotion because the only thing that's going to come out of that emotion is more anger or more frustration because okay. you, I can't see clearly right now. But if I just have some space, so we're, we're very um, open to when we're getting frustrated with each other to allowing ourselves to take space. You know, I think, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I got frustrated at something and she saw it frustrated me, came over to me and said, I'm sorry, I apologize. Like, if that frustrated you, I'm going to give you a little bit of space. And I was like, yeah, that'd be nice. And then she went upstairs, 20, 30 minutes later, I'm feeling better. I'm like, now I'm in a place to communicate. So then I went up and talked to her. And then we're now we're talking on a very stable, um, good ground and emotion and just good communication because we're not wrapped up in all these emotions. So for us, it's allowing the space amidst mm-hmm. the emotions if needed. Um, and for me personally, I can't speak for her, but it's understanding for me. I really believe like what I say, I can't take back. So if I'm mm-hmm. angry, I'm going to communicate through anger and it's just not a good look. It's not going to do anything positive for the relationship. And I can't take it back. So that's what's in my mind all the time. Like if I'm feeling anger, fucking feel it, dude, but don't communicate through it. Um, and so I try and just sit with it before I actually talk. And I just say enough to where we can maybe take some space and then we communicate when we're on a, a good playing field. You know, our minds are right. Okay. So it's just as simple as saying, Hey, I don't think right now is a good time to communicate about this. I, my feelings or emotions are heightened. Yeah. And like, it's nothing against you. Like, but I, I think this would be better if we just take a little bit of space, get ourselves together, and then come back and talk. Has um, there been a point where you haven't effectively communicated like that? And what did, what did that result in? Yeah. Um, there's been times, and then, you know, we just go back and forth in frustration um, for a little bit until we're like, we're not really getting anywhere. Yeah. You know, this is not productive. So oh, I fucking hate that. It's just annoying. <laughs> it's like an endless cycle of just, like, just we're literally saying the same thing. In different ways. Yeah. Like, you just keep saying, it's like, you need to understand it. So you say it in seven different ways. Like, <laughs> so we're pretty good now at, like, understanding, okay, like, this is not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think for both of us, we're so, um, it's so important to us to not cross boundaries mm-hmm. and, and breach the respect that we have for one another. Because the, the, the first time, which I'll never do, but the first time you say, fuck you, mm-hmm. or like that's just a little, you're just moving the, the boundary a little yeah. bit further, right? Or you're pushing the respect back a little bit. And now that's open. And maybe it doesn't happen again. Maybe you never say it again, whatever, but you went there. 
Yeah. I don't want to go there. So I just try my best to not go there. And whatever I got to do to not do it um, is what I try and do. How do you release? Do you have like anger spouts by yourself? I would say nowadays it, it takes me a lot to get angry. Mm. Like I'm a pretty even kill guy. I don't really care like about things that don't matter. Like for the most part, like I'm not an angry person. So if anything, I've never been angry at her. I've never been like truly mad at her ever. I've been frustrated with her. Right? She's been frustrated with me, but it's usually never like true anger or like I'm fucking pissed at you. Um, because we haven't crossed lines, mm. right? So there's nothing that's truly worthy of real anger mm-hmm. that we've done to each other. Um, but I mean, for me personally, my biggest, I'd say challenge is expressing my emotions. So it's not that I have too much emotions mm-hmm. is that I want to express them more to her to be seen more, to be more vulnerable. So that's a work in progress for me. You know, it has, it's something that I've, I've had for a while I come from the police background. I've always been kind of even keel. So like. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not about suppressing my, it's not like I need to come down from the anger. It's like, I want to feel more. Mm, so it's kind sense. of the opposite, um, where she's a big feeler. I'm, I'm the opposite, more stoic. Um, but which, you said before you used to have like anger spots. Do you feel like that has gotten suppressed through your own personal development? Um, I just didn't know how to control my emotions. And then once I started rewiring my mind, the things that used to get me angry or trigger me just don't trigger me. I'm like, how was I ever fucking triggered by that? Because uh, I've done so much reprogramming around the things that they're irrelevant to me. Like the things right. that used to piss me off, I giggle at now. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. Um, and that's just from like just consistent, repetitive learning and reprogramming. So most of the things don't bother me. And the things that truly bother me are when you disrespect me or mm-hmm. you embarrass me. Those are two things that fucking piss me off. Okay. That'll bring up anger, but she doesn't do that with me because we both have that understanding. Like, I'm not going to disrespect you mm-hmm. or embarrass you. I never want to do that. So we don't go there. So I'm not put in situations where I get like furious. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think the biggest thing is I, I try and do it intentionally. But when I cry is when I become softer and more emotional and I express more and I'm more mm-hmm. vulnerable, um, which I want to be more vulnerable for her and show up, you know, more connected to my emotions. Um, so I like to periodically, if I can, um, and usually it has nothing to do with our relationship. It's yeah. like, I'll just go alone and I'll try to cry. Um, oh, I've done that before. And I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll like things that like, you know, my grandpa passed away and I have letters from him and his stuff. And you know, that was a huge loss for me that I, I grieved, but like, it's still, feel, I still feel it. So like if I'm feeling like I got some, I want to, I'm suppressing emotions or something. I let myself release. And then typically I'll see like the next week or so, like I'm just way more open. I'm way more vulnerable. I'm way more open. I'm way more playful. Mm. And all of those things, like I get less hardened when mm. I let myself cry. So I try and do that like every, every so often when I'm feeling that pent up, you know, emotion in my body. So you've, that's something that, that's a goal that you're working towards. Yeah. And I'm still, I want, I want to, it, it's, yeah, for sure. It's hard for me. Like I haven't cried in front of her. It's very hard for, I think, any man to cry in front of a girl. But I, it's almost something I want to do because it just, it, it unlocks a different layer of vulnerability. Um, and being seen in that mm-hmm. state as a man by a girl is very difficult. Yeah. So that's something that I want to do, um, and let myself do. Do you feel like the even kill thing? And I know we're coming up where we're already past the hour, but that even kill thing, do you feel like that is a personality trait or do you think it's something that was developed because of, of how much you've trained your mind? That's a tricky one. I think it's both. I think, um, 
part of it is I, for as long as I can remember, I've had a pretty even keel disposition. Got it. Um, okay. I mean, even when I was younger, my dad would tell me stories of like, you know, my grandpa would be sick and he'd be coughing up blood and like crazy shit would be happening. I'd be like 10 years old. Everybody in the house is freaking out. I'm like, everybody gather. I'm like, call the ambulance. You're going to be fine. <laughs> You're very Everything's logical. okay. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I always used to be that kind of rock, you know, amidst all these, um, you know, emotions flying around the house. Um, and then I became a cop, which again, you have to learn how to control and regulate your emotions mm-hmm. when you're driving fucking hundred miles an hour to a shooting and you're like, I might get in a shootout. Yeah. You can't be freaking out or you're going to make stupid decisions. You have yeah. to calm yourself down. So I learned to regulate my emotions through that. I think I had a little bit of a disposition for it, but at the same time, I think that, um, part of it was probably from childhood of like not being able to express my emotions enough. You know, mm. that probably comes into play. So it's a delicate dance between like owning this is how I am because now that's like an, an affirmation statement of like my identity. This is who you are. It's just how you are. Well, that's yeah. like, I don't know if that's healthy because if I'm accepting that, then I'm probably missing out on a lot of emotions that I want to experience mm. that, you know, I'm suppressing because of how I am. So I try not to, I used to do it a lot, but I try not to now say like, that's just how I am mm. about anything really, because I don't want to affirm something to myself if it's not something that is, I want to stay the same forever. Yeah. Because so, you're constantly changing. Yeah. That's a good thing. So it, it, it has its pros and it has its cons. The cons are, I can't experience life as vibrantly as I'd like to mm. all the time. And I'm, I've made a lot of progress, um, but I don't feel crazy highs, but I also don't feel crazy lows. So the, the win is that, I, something crazy can happen and I'm like, all right, well, what's the solution? Yeah. Right. But that means I also don't get to experience like pure bliss. Ah, uh, right? interesting. It's like, okay. you, you go as low, the lower you go, the higher you go. So I'm more in the middle. So it's really good for situations like responding to in a relationship or crazy shit's going on. I'm calm. But then if I want to experience more gratitude and more love and open my heart up more, it's a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. coming from that place. So that's, that's more different type of development that you're going Yeah. So I'm trying to balance that now and like work on that. Interesting. Interesting. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's wanting to, well, I guess Dylan in some ways wants to also feel more joy in certain things because he also struggles with like pure laughter when he's watching things or, yeah. you know. So we are here finishing up the last hour. I... I would like my the listeners, the viewers to have some a really good takeaway, like a solid, uh, I guess more advice on what to do in order to stay pretty calm in situations, especially for the men out there. How, how, if you could give, you know, some simple steps or maybe just different recommendations of how to stay pretty even keel, stay like not allow their angers or emotions to control them. What, what would that be? Yeah. So it's a good question in terms of like controlling your emotions. I think the biggest thing is that emotions are normal. Like you're going to feel emotions. You're going to get angry. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to feel all of these things and you don't necessarily have control over it, you know, um, but you control how you respond. And so that's all I focus on is like, I completely 100% control every single fucking word that comes out of my mouth. So that's on me. And if I'm feeling these things, just sit in it. Just like chill out before you respond. So controlling your responses is huge. Um, even if you're feeling all sorts of crazy shit, just like not talking will probably serve a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, dude, I just just shut up, right? 
just, power just feel it, for sure. just feel it and, and, and go through it. Um, and that's in a relationship for me. I try to control my responses because the, re- the response you have when you're angry versus when you've calmed down is completely different. Mm-hmm. And I always want to have that response. So I do my very best to do that. But outside of relationships, for me, it's like, I mean, obviously all the reprogramming of like that the work I've done is, has helped tremendously. Um, repetition has been huge for me of like concepts or beliefs that I want to learn or adopt. It's crazy repetition, like over. It's not listening to a book. It's not reading a book one time. It's not listening to a podcast one time. It's like when I latch onto a concept of the type of man I want to become or mm-hmm. a belief I want to adopt, I am like fucking viciously learning that. And like, you do one concept at a time, develop that, and then pick up another one? Or is it like multiple concepts that you're kind of like, all right, all this is going to encompass who I'm going to be? Um, yeah, I'm usually fixated on one thing at a time for the most part. It's like a hyper um, It's like I just get really into it. I'm like, I want to become that person. Or I want to adopt that belief. And then I just go ape shit. Sometimes it's just one specific video I watch of like a really good um, podcast that I will watch seven times to where I can literally recite the podcast to you. Because yeah. that's how much I learn it. Uh-huh. And now I know it so well. It's like becoming my default response. So that's been big for me. And then the last thing I think that I always kind of play in my head is that like, who the fuck cares? It's like, we're on earth on, on a rock. It's spinning. How, who knows how fast somebody knows. Not me. <laughs> Some scientists. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, nothing really matters. Yeah. Like for the most part, like obviously the most important things matter, but all the shit we're always caught up in doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. like long-term, it doesn't matter. And I've ingrained that belief into my head. So that the small shit, like, I don't care. If somebody cuts me off, I literally don't care. It, I feel nothing in my body because I don't fucking care. It's, it's irrelevant. I'm okay. We're all good. I'm still driving my destination. It's okay. So that's a, a replaying thought in my head of like, at the end of the day, does this really matter? Mm-hmm. No. And like now it's become like autopilot for me. So like I don't even have to think about it. Just like that's usually my frame that I come from with almost like any scenario. Unless it's like really like important, you know, like someone gets hurt or whatever. But yeah. yeah. Okay. The last last question. Let's I know go. I said that the last time. So I know that the last what we were just talking about, the goal that you're shooting for is to actually feel more joy, more emotions. What steps or what steps have you taken at this moment to start achieving that? Yeah, so I think for me a big part of it, um, I think and this is not like my doing necessarily, but I think um, having a child will crack me open. Mm. And I'm really excited for that because I know um, it's going to open my heart so much. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I and I'm just going to become a giant softy. Yeah. And so like that it alone is going to do a lot. But um, currently I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hired a coach soon. But it's really just putting myself in positions where I feel very vulnerable that mm. scare the fucking shit out of me. So forcibly like, putting yourself in. Forcibly putting myself. And even just the little moments I know where, like, I'm not communicating I'm not, or I'm not communicating about my emotions. I'm not letting myself feel this. I try and be conscious of it um, so that I can actually express how I feel. Like, even, mm-hmm. I mean, recently, like, more, I've gotten more emotional about things. And I think part of it has to do with becoming a father. But just my eyes start welling up at certain things. With movies, uh-huh. I'm just getting a little bit more sappy. And I'm, I'm communicating more openly with her about my feelings. Um but outside of that, I'm, I'm looking to next year, I'm looking to do a three to five day darkness retreat alone. Ooh, what is that? It's pretty much where you sit in a room in the mountain somewhere, um, in the pitch black for five days. By yourself? By yourself. 
there's like a host, but they don't talk to them. They just bring you food like when you I was about to ask. I was like, what about the food situation? It's blackness <laughs> and you're just left with your mind. Holy and shit. And all of your emotions. And it's like comparable to like crazy drugs, like DMT, like the shit you're like at yeah. a certain point in the retreat, you, um, you're hallucinating. Like everything, mm-hmm. you're in a black room and everything's light and, and colors and shit because it, it's just crazy. So I want to sit with myself in that setting and feel everything that I've suppressed because I have nowhere to go. I have no distractions. I have no phone. Yeah. I have nobody to talk to. It's just me and myself. So I'm going to do that. And just stupid things that, that make me feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't do it perfectly because it still makes me uncomfortable, but just random shit that I know is scary for me. Um, like what? For example, like dancing. I hate dancing. Oh, uh, like, yeah. And it's because I, I, I'm vulnerable. Like if I look stupid dancing... Then it's like, fuck, like, what is everybody, like, you know, just like that specifically, it gets me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that is just stuff like that, like different things I know about myself that, like, I don't like being in that position. Yeah. That's what I want to attack. Mm, um, interesting. Because okay. I know on the other side of that, it's just, like, all the things I'm wanting. So, yeah. Damn. Okay, guys. Well, Thank you, Jenny, again for yes. being on this podcast with me, especially with the baby being along the way, yeah. like in literally a couple of weeks. <laughs> She's here. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, he's here. Um, yeah. So thank you so much again for obviously just being a good friend, cool guy and being on the podcast. Thank you for listening. And we will have another episode with Braxton Kilgo next week. And we'll see you there. Yes. <laughs> That is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed hanging out with us here at the Donna Gift Show, where we chat about the relationship you have with yourself and others in order to help us make sense of the world. We release a new episode every week, and we would love to hear from you. Yep, we want you, the listeners, to submit any questions or topics you want us to discuss. So go ahead and go to my website, www.donnagift.com. That's D-A-N-N-A, gift, like a present, .com, and submit your questions. So you think it and we say it. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and I will see you on next week's episode.